This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but breathe. In this episode, we have Jennifer Sudo, Managing Partner at MC Sachi Performance. Jennifer, welcome to the Zimbabwe Podcast. Hi, Harry. Thank you so much for having me. Terrific. It's great to have you on. Happy 2023 to you. Yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> All right. So uh, we just passed the holiday season, more or less. So perhaps some people are still under impression from the gifts they they got this Christmas. Hence my question, how do you decide what to buy? Of course, your mental journey of making the decision probably starts like what he or she likes, what he or she would like to have on this Christmas, total affair. But how do you decide what brand to buy from? Can't say definitively about you, but for many people, the decision factor is influencer he or she trusts yes you've guessed it today we have jennifer on the show to talk about influencer marketing jennifer let's start with talking about you please tell us about yourself Uh, what is your background yeah um so to start out i'm one of the managing partners here at msc softy performance based out of the west coast Um, i oversee a wide range of services that we have here um, but uh, primarily account services management Um, people operations, creative, and influencer marketing. Um, Prior to that, I also managed planning and buying, working directly with specific key clients. Um, And then prior to joining MNC Saatchi Performance, I worked at a couple other performance agencies where I did my rounds um, working in business development, media, and also client services. Um, In terms of experience, I've worked on both traditional and uh, performance media channels. Um, I started in TV, actually, um, oh. linear TV, have experience in radio at a home. Um, and then as the market was shifting, um, I started learning more about digital, working with connected TV, online video, social media, um, display, mobile. Um, so quite a broad, diverse uh, range of things that I've worked on. <laughs> Missing your experience of working on a TV? Uh, no, <laughs> I think that was a personal choice because I cut the cord, you know, several years ago and I realized, you know, I should be focusing more on the things that I'm interested in. And um, that's really where I find my passion, just working with clients in the digital um, space because I'm much more digital than I am traditional. So um, I feel like what works on me is is something that I want to help other clients achieve. I see. Uh, well, I cut the cord in a different sense of this world. Stopped watching TV seven or eight years ago. Switched, <laughs> switched specifically on the Amazon and Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, TV. Um, now I'm sure MC such a brand brings them the bell for so many people. But still, tell me about your company. Yeah. Um, so MNC Saatchi Performance, because we have the name Saatchi in it, a lot of people confuse us with Saatchi and Saatchi, which is a completely different agency and network. Um, Maurice and Charles Saatchi came from Saatchi and Saatchi, left and started their own network, so MNC Saatchi. 
um, which is a UK-based network. And the performance um, part of our name uh, indicates that we're the performance media arm of the network. So we focus um, on performance digital media and uh, our offices are global, uh, still headquartered in the UK, um, but here in the US, we have a presence in, in LA, which is where I'm based, um, in New York. Um, we work across a number of different clients, um, but essentially everything ladders up to specific performance goals, whether that be you know, an app download, a specific engagement within the app, or you know, driving people to a website to convert, make a purchase, subscribe, you name it, that's what we specialize in. <laughs> Great. You know, years ago in like circa 2011, 2012, we, I used to be a part of the marketing agency. And back then, I remember MC Sachi was kind of a standard model for us, like the top of the cream, because UK guys really know what marketing, any kind of marketing is about. And MC Sachi was on the top of that letter for us. So it's that's my privilege to talk to somebody from the agency later, like ten years later. Yeah, um, um, and the company started in two thousand six. Um, did a few changes in our name um, from mobile to performance to really just communicate to the market that we're mo more than just a, a mobile company. Um, we really are performance driven, and it's agnostic of devices because people are consuming content across not just mobile. Absolutely. Yeah. We shouldn't forget, you know, as much as we talk about mobile these days, it does not consume, consume 24 seven of people's lives. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what is influencer marketing? How do you define it for yourself? Um, so social media has really, um, you know, become a major platform for a lot of people. Um, influencer marketing is a form of social media marketing where Brands have the opportunity to work with, um, you know, a face of a customer or um, specific experts in a certain field, and they're able to leverage those partnerships to drive influences um, over their audience. So, um, you know, essentially, you're driving influence over a specific person's audience, and that's why influencer marketing is so effective. Um, if you take very large influencers, for example, you can reach millions of people through a single post. Um, but really, the value is that you can communicate your benefits um, through the perspective of so many different people. Um, it's changed quite a bit over the last few years when people think of influencer oh, yeah. marketing. You think of big celebrities like Kim Kardashian, um, but you don't realize that people who have just a thousand followers could also be influential if the people following those people, um, you know, fit within your, your brand. So um, influencer marketing is um, really just partnering with people who are extensions of your brand to continue promoting your, your products and services. Um, and it's a lot more effective than I think the brand now speaking about themselves. Yeah, people shouldn't forget that um, as gorgeous and great as an influencer Kim Kardashian is, the influencer marketing at the end of the day is about authenticity, trust, and uh, how relevant your brand to the that circle of people or specific influencer and how well he or she has managed to establish the communication back and forth. He has she or she, he able to build a report with these people and uh, 
actually not advertise, but introduce the product, like actually solving this problem for many brands that themselves just, um, they, they don't see they have the same potential uh, in introducing the product to people as an influencer has. Mm -hmm. He becomes the brand ambassador. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show. Now, what if some marketing techniques did work and did not work last year? Yeah. Um, so in general with influencer marketing, what we're finding is that what works for one brand may not necessarily for another and vice versa. Um, and even within the same brand, different techniques across different influencers may not always work. So um, that's why for us, partnering with more than just one and constantly testing content is important because you discover things that you may not think would actually work. Um, for example, we have a, a client whose primary audience is, is females 25 plus. Um, we started the year with a lot of, you know, women influencers, female influencers, mm -hmm. um, but decided to test males. And that ended up being a big opportunity for us because we realized that as an e-commerce app, there's definitely male shoppers who, you know, everybody in this, this age shops online. So we're missing out on a huge opportunity by not working with those types of influencers. Um, so that was a big learning for us. Um, and really the idea is that don't just partner with influencers who you think is your target audience. Try to deviate outside of that pool and not be afraid to test specific content types or personalities. Um, when you're a performance marketer, um, a lot of people will boost the content with paid media. Mm -hmm. And that really just allows you to track specific conversions a lot more seamlessly um, versus say a link in a bio or description. So because of that, you also have to look at content as if it's going to be an ad. Um, so really screening these influencers to see how well they're gonna communicate to people beyond just their audience. Um, so, I think in the past, we focused mainly on people who we thought was going to influence their audiences, but we found that actually um, people who are great at communicating the benefits of a product could actually be repurposed. The, the videos could be repurposed as actual ads, um, and you can show it to people outside of that audience, and they work just as effectively as targeting specific audiences of the follower. So. Um, TikTok, for example, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody is talking about that platform and it's been um, one of the biggest platforms that a lot of people are now coming to us um, for. Um, and rightfully so, there's so many users on the platform now, um, but the genius of the platform is that there's two different feeds. One of them is for people you actually follow and the other one is the for you page. Um, and it's very different from other platforms where you, purposely follow certain people so you can see their content. On TikTok, a lot of people spend their time on the For You page, and so they're used to seeing content from people they don't even follow, which essentially means you don't have to work with an influencer because people are used to seeing content from people they don't follow. Um, so long as your content is good, you'll probably reach people who want to see that type of content. Um, so for us, when we run ads, um, 
you know, we'll have influencers post to their organic channels, but there is another opportunity to distribute that beyond their followers by, you know, running paid ads on the For You page. People don't know that it's an ad right away because they're so used to the algorithm just recommending content to them. So people tend to watch more of our ads because of that, just inherently. Um, so in terms of what has worked, um, mm -hmm. you know, it still works to work with influencers, but um, there's now a lot of interest in just working with content creators, um, people who don't necessarily need to influence their audience. It's just people who understand how to create content on specific platforms and they're good at it. That's an interesting insight because um, uh, for a while I've been wondering how how do you how would you define the um, the actual difference between creator and influencer because for a while I heard these both terms you know being used in the, in the same context to intermediary mm -hmm. and essentially it meant the same but now I see that the creator can be some somebody who can be really good at creating a content not necessary for a specific audience so you're saying he or she can be approached for on a project uh to basically as the you know subcontractor for your project right mm -hmm. yeah um i think we're seeing a transition from influencer marketing to a term that's more broad um to just be content creators um Influencers are really there to drive influence over their audience, but on a platform like TikTok, you don't necessarily just reach those people. It's people beyond their following. So um, content creators in TikTok, um, you know, is a lot more popular. It's growing in popularity, especially for us. We've tested it quite a bit on um, some of our accounts and we're finding that it's just as successful. Um, Influencers, you can borrow their equity, um, whereas content creators, you're really just partnering with them because they understand how to create content in a specific style. Um, it's also more efficient to work with a few different content creators versus you know one creative agency who might just create content one way. Um, you can tap into a lot of different expertise and very efficiently. Um, they also can produce content a lot faster um, than traditional agencies. That's a great point. You are getting a diversity of, um, you know, takes on the idea from people working like who are not working under the same roof of the same agency, which inevitably will be the case if you're working just with one, uh, you know, content production powerhouse. Um, uh, just to briefly TikTok, a uh, couple of years ago when I just launched the podcast, I remember talking with somebody and asking that, you know, a famous question, okay, what about the audience? And even back then, the answer was uh, stop thinking about TikTok as the platform for, you know, Gen Z only. Mm -hmm. There are more people, uh, more set of topics being covered. Where are we right now, just briefly, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, your work with a number of different clients? Do we see this pool of, um, verticals topics is getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the thing with TikTok is that there's a lot of overlap with other social media platforms now. Um, 
a lot of the content on TikTok is making its way to Instagram Reels. And so people are aware of TikTok and the type of content that's there, which is driving more people to join on top of just being a very addicting platform itself. Um, For sure. Older generations are, you know, flocking to TikTok and spending hours of their day um, just scrolling through the For You page. Um, so we're seeing an older demographic than prior years, which is great for advertisers because you can find your target audience there. Um, in terms of content, there's just a wide range of niche communities and content really for every type of interest um, from, you know, the typical fashion accessories, people who um put together get ready with me videos or people who cook and show you recipes or introduce different ingredients how to use products the right way which people didn't know how to do before um there's just so many different types of videos and um really you can find your target audience um, within those communities and it's great for for search um you know some demographics like gen z for example are preferring to use TikTok to search for things over Google search. Um, and we're just seeing this movement towards short form video to um, explain simple things like how do I cook a, a meal or where are the top places to visit when I go on vacation? It's a lot easier to see that in a 15 second video than it is to go to Google, type it in and then read an entire blog. Exactly. And this is what I've heard recently that uh, actually YouTube and TikTok are kind of a number two and number three search engines on the planet mm -hmm. after Google. It's not Bing. It's actually visual search is actually mm -hmm. what is driving so much of um, people's interest when they're looking for something. Just, you know, cut the corner, get quick, quicker to what you're looking for. Just bypass the 10, 20, 30 search results. Um, Jennifer, can you give me one or two cases for recent influencer market campaigns for mobile apps so people mm -hmm. have a better uh, grasp on what actually influencer marketing can deliver for mobile marketing? Yeah, so um, influencer marketing can be used um, full funnel, really. Um, just depends on the type of tracking that you implement if you're wanting to track performance. Um, so for brand, um, which is probably the most common um, objective for influencer marketing, just partnering with influencers to um, drive awareness for a specific product or service. Um, you know, platforms like Instagram make it very easy. You partner with them because they represent um, people who can drive, um, you know, influencer influence over their audience. Um, but uh, to take it a step further, you could also drive specific conversions. And um, in the past, um, the ways that you could do that is, you know, link in the bio where, you know, whoever is promoting your services uh, or products can, you know, tell people if you want to, um, you know, buy this product or service or download this app or get 10% off, whatever it may be, you click on the link in my bio and it'll drive you straight to the app store or the website where you can, you know, get more information or get the actual product and service. Um, there's always going to be a drop off. People don't necessarily want to take another action, go back mm -hmm. from the content or visit somebody's profile, click on a link. Um, so paid media has been re really effective for us in terms of being able to control, um, you know, how much of the ad we want to show people, you know, via daily budgets in the platform, we can set, set specific 
um, targeting um, within the platform, which allows us to control who sees the ad. Um, and then measurement, um, we can apply a CTA to the actual video, which you cannot do with organic posts. Um, and that just makes it a lot more seamless for people to go directly to um, the app store or a website to take that secondary action. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's less drop off as a result of that. So, um, you know, there's uh, mobile apps, for example, iOS has a lot of limitations. Um, with 14.5 and SKI network, you can only work through specific networks that are integrated with the framework. So that just means you can't track organically. Um, and that is a huge limitation for you know marketers whose primary base might be iOS users. So uh, one of the biggest use cases for us is to run paid media on a platform that has SKI network capabilities. Um, and that way we can really measure the effectiveness of those specific videos. Um, the organic ads represent, I would say, a period of creative testing. Let's say you have 10 different influencers and they all post one video. Um, if your media budget is very limited, you could prioritize that to the videos that have the best engagement um, because you kind of get a feel for what is actually gonna perform once you actually run it as an ad. Mm -hmm. um, normally when you're on an ad, you don't find out until you've actually spent the money. Um, so in this case, you're just getting early learnings on the creative and then boost whichever ones are driving the highest engagement rates and then be able to track very seamlessly through um, the platforms. So that you know allows you to pull all the different metrics all together, which is you know impressions, clicks, um, conversions, if you're able to track that, et cetera. So that is to say, you can even think of uh, influencers as your A-B testers for your paid advertising on social media. That's that's the perk you're getting on top of everything else. In your opinion, uh, where is the influencer marketing industry going to? Uh, where are we? What's going to happen this year? What, in your opinion, marketing techniques in the, with when it comes to influencer marketing will be working this year? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, some of the ones that I've talked about from last year, I think we'll still continue with, um, and that's, you know, working with influencers for the purpose of driving influence, but also, um, we're probably going to see more advertiser using them as a form of creative production. Um, so not just using influencers, but content creators at large to create assets very efficiently. Um, and those assets can run across a number of different channels owned, uh, for example, it could be on pay channels, um, depends on the client's objectives. Um, I think we're also going to see, um, for mobile apps specifically, maybe mm -hmm. less reliant on things that are too seasonal. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, um, it does take two weeks, maybe sometimes more, depending on the specific app to understand what's actually working. Um, when you run on a platform like TikTok, it's always best practice to have um, a vault of new content that you're just constantly testing, but you don't want to pause something too early um, because you may find that over time as the platform is learning, it's going to end up being one of your best performing assets. So you want to allow these creatives to run for um, an extended period of time to really understand whether or not it's going to work for you. So I think we'll see more advertisers doing creative testing. So testing different types of influencers, 
um, and contracting more frequently. So you have a lot of content that you can run. Um, and then um, in terms of testing, just making sure that these timeframes are long enough where you're getting um, the learnings. So um, those are all basic principles that apply to a lot of performance campaigns, but I think we'll see that continue in 2023. Gotcha. Now, Jennifer, looking back at your, at your years in digital marketing, um, is there something that you would really like to change, which, you know, over and over makes you pause and go like, gosh, where this thing will be fixed? Who's going to be that person, uh, he or she, who will fix that problem? Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a problem. I think the industry has been so focused on iOS changes and the limitations it's presented to tracking. Um, for us, it's more of an opportunity, really, and I'd love to see more publishers integrate with the new framework that allows us to run media outside of the existing set. Um, so I just would love more publishers to understand, um, you know, SCAN Network, for example, um, which would allow us to run media with them um, for, for mobile apps. Um, I think it is in everyone's best interest, actually. You get more of our business if you're integrated because we're able to run with you. Um, and uh, for our clients, they have the opportunity to run on more sources. Exactly. Win-win. Okay, this is the first part of the show, and it's over. We're switching to the second one, which is small but pretty. This is the time when I get a chance to ask uh, just a few quick questions to every guest on this show, so people who are listening to us have a chance to know them better. What smartphone do you have now? Have you been switching between these two giants or staying one side all the time? Um, I have an iPhone. I have an iPhone 13 and um, I've always just been an iPhone person. I've never switched over to Android. Um, the first one I have is a Nokia. <laughs> it's very basic. I know that dates me, but um, you know, the allure of having a Nokia at the time was that the face was um, customizable. Um, now I feel like um, I just am used to the iPhone UI and I, I don't want to learn Android. I'm sure there's a lot of positives to using Android and I have Android friends who love it, but I just have never made the switch. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a mindset thing uh, for people to switch. Um, for many, it's not easy to go back and forth. It's either you're stuck with the Apple ecosystem once you get a lot of content, um, you know, flooding around your music, mm -hmm. your movies, your books, your podcasts, whatever. Um, so you said uh, Nokia, was it uh, your first uh, multi-capacity smart, smartphone? What about the period, you know, before that, like first mobile phone, the first phone you can put in your pocket? What was that one? Yeah, it was a Nokia. Oh, that was an Nokia. <laughs> okay. Okay, back to present. Um, imagine you've left your iPhone 13 at home. When you're outside, what would be that missing feature for you? I think for me, it's just the peace of mind that my smartphone gives me. Um, I don't have a need for it really. Um, you know, if I'm going to the store or, um, you know, making a few different errands at the same time, it's helpful in giving me directions. Um, so I think that's one of the primary reasons um, I would need my smartphone, just being able to navigate from point A to B. 
um, when I'm in the car, just being able to stream music um, via Bluetooth. Um, and then, you know, the things like entertainment, I don't really need that because I'm not out of the house to just be on my phone. But if I'm standing in a line, it's nice to have that so that, you know, when you, there's periods of idleness, you can check your email, you can go on social media, you can send a message to somebody. Um, it's there for those reasons. Um, and yeah, I would say um, just the flexibility that it gives you. You can do so much in your mobile phone. <laughs> right. I, I see exactly what you mean. You're not, you're not necessarily doing all these things on a daily basis, but the mere fact that the phone is there and capable of doing those things in a split second, if you need this thing to help you with those things is what gives you a peace of mind, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're just sitting in your pocket, you're not touching it uh, for a whole day, but the opportunity, like the uh, capacity, like the extension of your brain, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's really much, um, you know, part of my life. I, my schedule is on there, my connections. If I want to message anyone, I do it through my phone. And without that, there's just... A gap, I feel like. <laughs> right. And yet, when you look at your phone, uh, do you have this nagging question every once in a while? It wouldn't be great if my iPhone 13 was capable of doing this or that. Hardware, software, probably both. Um, mm -hmm. Could be a small thing for you. Do I think there's more that it could do for me? Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Um, I think for some types of things, we've only scratched the surface. Um, or it just is not widely adopted yet. So for example, um, I just moved into a new house and I went on vacation for Christmas. And when I was in Chicago, I realized, oh, we forgot to turn down the heat and we're not going to be home. So our bill is just going to be high. Um, but then I remembered, oh, actually we have the Nest app. We can just mm -hmm. log into it from here and turn down the heat. And that was one of the first times I've, I've been able to do that. And I thought it was I mean, it was life-changing. <laughs> um, I also was getting packages while I was away and um, just through Ring, I'm able to see if the packages are still there, um, was able to send a friend over to the house and speak to that person through the app and say, thank you. Um, you know, they, they took in our packages for us while we were away, but, you know, right. through a smart home technology, we've been able to feel more connected to our home um, most people think of their phones as a way to connect to people, but um, really there's just so many different ways to uh, manage your life. Um, I think more people will probably, um, you know, start to use these types of things and they are, you know, there's Alexa, there's Siri, um, AI is, is going to be even more important, I think, in, in, in the future. Yeah, uh, ex exactly. Um, I'm waiting for the moment where smart, smart home actually become smart uh on and not you know um as an exception is the peculiar uh thing but you know broadly just like smartphone did years ago mm -hmm. um like we're moving into this direction where we're gonna have this you know um apple's um home platform will become really widely accepted accepted by the industry lots of accessories and they will become cheaper and it will be just, you know, common sense to have, you know, all light bulbs in your house mm -hmm. being turned on and off via your phone. And um, 
you know, small things in your house, which you may be not even able to think about right now will be plugged in and make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll be able to save money, save electricity, be, be more, more environmentally conscious, etc. Mm -hmm. Okay, very, very final question before I let you go. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Yeah. Um, so for people who want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website, which is mncsachiperformance.com. Um, on there, there's also a contact uh, form where you can, you know, provide your information so we'll get in touch with you. Um, you could also contact me directly on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, yeah, anyone at the company too, uh, happy to connect there um, and answer any additional questions. Oh, that's great. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Have My pleasure. Night. And that was Jennifer Sudo, managing partner at MC Sachi Performance. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer if you still listen to podcasts on your computer. Um, but please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.